Welcome to Librarians Allowed, an independent podcast presented by the Academic and Special Libraries section of the Library Association of Ireland. I'm your host, Laura Rooney-Ferris. So Librarians Allowed just passed its first birthday, so thank you very much to everyone who's been listening from the start, and to anyone who hasn't been, this is a very good time to catch up on all of our past episodes. Uh, My guest this episode is Anne O'Sullivan, and Anne is one of the people who's been on my list from the very start. Anne is currently the Knowledge Services Manager with A&L Goodbody and she previously worked in the Houses of the, uh, the Library and Research Service of the Houses of the Oireachtas. Uh, she's also worked in academic and in corporate libraries and she's one of the people responsible for shaping what the Academic and Special Libraries Committee currently is. So she's an all-round librarian legend and genuinely one of my personal li- librarian heroes. So we talk about her career path Um, and about legal and corporate librarianship. Um, So she also talks about how she got involved in the Academic and Special Library Committee and how it developed into what it currently is. Um, So the episode is a little bit longer than usual, but there's so much good stuff in here, um, especially for anyone getting into the, the profession. And there's some great tips for getting over the awkwardness of networking. Uh, So please enjoy. So I'm here with Anne O'Sullivan, who's Knowledge Services Manager in A&L Goodbody. Thanks for joining me, Anne. Hello, Laura. Welcome to A&L Goodbody. It's lovely to be here. (laughs) Really nice office. Um, So, Anne, do you want to take me back to the early days? Take you back. How you ended up where you are here? Where I am now today. Um, The first step was at the age of 23 deciding I wanted to become a librarian mm. and so what had happened before that I suppose I, I think some of the other people in their interviews as well in this podcast series have said oh I didn't have a traditional route or I didn't go straight into librarianship yeah. but I wonder is that true for all of us I um, think it's looking that way yeah I don't think there is a straight route yeah so when I was in secondary school you know in in Ireland in the 80s with in rural Ireland with the Sisters of Mercy mm. And we didn't have really good career guidance. I wasn't not the good sisters of mercy. No, the sisters of no mercy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. You know, it wasn't. Mm. You know, it wasn't that I wanted to be a nurse or a hairdresser or a plumber or an engineer or none of those things. Um, and I liked languages and travel and, and all that kind of stuff. So the only, I suppose, career advice I got at that stage was. Um, you know, because I knew I'd get the points to go to university, mm. but I wasn't, again, quite sure. Um, you know, do an arts degree, it's a basic degree, and yeah. sure you can do anything you want after that. I had half an idea that I thought I wanted to be a teacher, but I wasn't quite sure about it. And I now realise, looking back, you know, now that I'm older, and, well, maybe not wiser, but anyway. Um, because, again, you know, a lot of us as librarians, we've ended up in that mm. kind of information skills training or information literacy or teaching librarian or whatever roles. But I knew I didn't want to be a secondary or primary school teacher, like that kind of a teacher. Yeah. But I definitely had some kind of interest in training. Mm. But I couldn't articulate that yeah. at that stage. Anyway, went off, did an arts degree. 
and I had spent one summer teaching English in Madrid and I absolutely loved that. Mm. So yes, I was teaching, but there were small classes. I think the most I had in class were about six people. So after college, I decided to go back and do that. But it was Madrid in the early 90s um, and there were just no jobs. Um, so I'd gone with somebody else. We got hours here and there teaching. But by Christmas, it was a case of pay the rent for January and stay in Madrid in the dreary winter or go home for Christmas. We were 21, so we went home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I decided to stay at home and not go back. And then I was like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in Ireland. I want to be traveling. And I saw an ad to be an air hostess in uh, Jordan. So I said, right, I'm going to go for that. And I'll go. <laughs> So it was just an adventure. It was to do something else. It was to get out of Ireland in the early 90s. You know, Mm. there were no jobs. It was dreary. Most people I'd gone to college with had either stayed on to do, you know, masters and PhDs. And I just I just really wanted to be out there. I wanted to be working. I wanted to be doing something. Mm. I did not want to be in Cork or Dublin. And I didn't want to be a student. I wanted to be earning money. Um, So I thought, well, sure, I'll go and do this for six months and have a think about things. Yeah. and earn some ca- you know, tax-free dollars and live in the Middle East and she'll see what happens. And I stayed for two years. Mm. Um, and then I came home and at that stage I was 23 and was like, right, I better do, I better do something. <laughs> um, <laughs> didn't want to stay in the skies, no? No, no. Um, it was great. It was a complete adventure and brilliant mm. for two years at that stage of my life, but no, not, not, not for long term. It's very hard work. Yeah. It's very tiring and draining on your body. Um, so I came home and what I started doing was uh, so I moved to Dublin and moved in with my aunt and studied about her and I got all this again pre you know Google and the internet whatever so I got all the prospectuses from all the colleges in Dublin because I thought well I need to go back and do some kind of postgraduate something or other yeah. and I definitely knew at this stage no I'm not doing the HDIP for teaching that's definitely not yeah, happening but there must be other things right. maybe I'd like to do and then I used to read job ads in the papers to read them to see you know what kind of skills and what do people want to do and in around the same time I had the prospectus for UCD with the library course mm-hmm. and I remember there was an ad for a job in Dundalk IT it was for the graduate trainee um, that you would go and work there you know in the li- yeah, in Dundalk the IT year. library for the year and then you were pretty much guaranteed a place on the course mm-hmm. now I decided I didn't want to go and live in Dundalk but I thought, oh, well, if Dundalk IT do it, maybe somewhere else does it. Yeah. Um, so I started talking to a few people. And at the time, an aunt of mine worked in UCD. So I went and spoke to her. And she said, well, there's one person you need to speak to. And that's John Steele, who was the librarian in the, business, the Michael Smurfer Graduate School of Business. So I went off to speak to John Steele. And that was really where it all started from. And he's retired now. And I still he still sends me a Christmas card every oh, really? year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it turned out that he had gone to university back in the 60s with my godmother. My godmother was a friend of my mum's mm-hmm. and unfortunately she died that summer mm-hmm. uh, and he would have known her and all that kind of stuff. So I think he's always kept that kind of eye on me or whatever. Yeah, sort of a person. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and he was just, I mean, he's completely eccentric, but he's just a mind of information and knowledge and a fantastic business librarian and absolutely loved meeting people like me and there was another person there that summer who were thinking about going to library school um, and just took us under his wing. Uh, he basically, out of the petty cash in the library in UCD, gave us money for our bus sticks to come out to Black Rock and we went out most days. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd let you loose on doing a few jobs around the library and he'd sit with you and talk you through all the databases and give an understanding of how, yeah. you know, an academic library ran so at the same time then because at this stage I'd been home for a few months so I needed to be working again um, 
I applied for so there was library assistant UCD were looking for library assistant so I applied for that and was put on a panel um, but I didn't know how long you know it would take yeah. to be called for that job and he said well you know the building and service department or function or whatever it is in UCD are always looking for people mm-hmm. um, so I went and talked to them and they basically just hired me there and then yeah. mm-hmm. and that was fine she were paid weekly it was an hourly rate and mm-hmm. they knew that I was in a panel for the library so the minute the library would ring me I'd be like right I'm off so it was just good a yeah, good so fit yeah so it was interesting then because I worked for six months in building the services so I knew the entire college backwards and all yeah. the buildings and then I did go and work in the library in March 1996 um, and it was funny because obviously being on the main desk in UCD, people do come up and ask you, where's the science building? Where's this? Where other things? Mm. And most of the other staff in the library, if you hadn't been to college in UCD, they didn't know where anything was yeah, yeah, because yeah. they would come in and go to the library. They might go to the restaurant. Mm. Whereas I was able to, well, do my errors test number and <laughs> so point and yeah, directions, yeah, to everything, you know, the at the front of the library. Um, and that spring, I started working in Arlene Healy, who's sub-librarian in Trinity, started working there. Mm. So we've remained f- very good friends ever since then. And that was, I suppose, how I got it. So I've been working in libraries for 20 years. Mm. And then interestingly, so my first position as a library assistant was in the law library in UCD. Oh. So the kind of law area, which so obviously we'll come back to, is, yeah, it's the, and I suppose it's a subject that I suppose I do feel most comfortable with. Because mm. again, having started working with it, with law as a subject in the mid 90s when you know things were still very print based and mm-hmm. um, one of my jobs when the boxes of unreported judgments would come from the courts uh, we used to keep them behind the desk and I would organise those you know understanding I still know who you know the names of the key legal practitioners are and their textbooks um, you know Wiley's Land Law was always one of the books and Professor Wiley is a consultant here in Good Goodbody mm-hmm. and has an office just behind me oh. now so he's here every Thursday so um yeah, it just seems that law has, I didn't set out to be a law librarian, but mm. I've kind of, that has been a subject that's followed me Yeah, through. it's funny, I think sometimes just from having spoken to somebody like mm. now, there's a real sense that not only does the profession find you, but that the, the right yeah. kind of approach to the profession, yeah. the right kind of little niche area, somehow yeah. it finds you. It does, I think it does somehow. Uh, so that f- kind of so that was March so yeah so for a year and a half I worked full time as a library assistant so in the mornings in the law library and then in the afternoons on the main issue desk so that's what they did in UCD back then I don't know if they still do it a lot of the library assistants would work in two different departments mm-hmm. which I suppose was really good if you were planning going on to do the library course because then you got to work yeah. in, in lots of different areas um, so by the following spring um, I applied for the library course I knew I'd be I know I was successful so I knew I'd be going in September so the contract I was on was finishing in the May so then I just really had kind of June kind of mid-June to about mid-September no. and I thought you know it's kind of I can't really go and look for a you know a job job somewhere else yeah. it's like any kind of contract and I was like did I really want to go and work in a shop or do something yeah. like that but uh, Pauline Horrigan who was the deputy librarian was again very supportive of those of us who were going to library school so I just asked could I see her one day and I went down to talk to her and I said look is there anything I can do for the summer like I'll, I'll like I'll be a library shelver I'll, I'll do anything yeah. but there's just no point me going off to look for something else um, and also there was always a possibility that I could have worked part-time while I was doing the library course so she said okay I'll go away and think about it and then she came back literally a few days later and said right here's a proposition 
we stay for the summer and work in special collections in the afternoons and on the main desk in the mornings and then when you're in library school next year will you come and work in the main library on a Monday night the veterinary library in Bottles Bridge on a Thursday night and we may need you for backup in Earlsford Terrace on a Saturday morning and I said absolutely yeah so all your experience <laughs> rolled into one there exactly so I was terribly confused uh, when I was in library school good thing you'd worked <laughs> the facilities and knew where you were going exactly and also the vet library in those days was in Ballsbridge but I was living in Irish town mm-hmm. so it was like walking distance and sometimes I'd work in the vet library actually on a Saturday morning which was always lovely because they used to take the horses out to exercise them oh, so you'd be sitting in Ballsbridge on a Saturday morning I'd be up in the library looking out the window at mm-hmm. the horses walking around it was quite surreal I suppose mm-hmm. and a bit odd yeah. Um, yeah I used to get confused about which library I was in when I was because I, I did worked in the terrace vet library Mm. the terrace was the medical library and the main library so sometimes I'd answer the phone and I'd say a different <laughs> library to the one I was actually in uh, so I'm sure there's some confused people out there who said I'm sure I rang the veterinary library but they said it was you know the medical library or something yeah. else <laughs> sounds like you needed a, a yeah. or something to follow you around to tell you where exactly yeah to and today's Monday so you're in whatever yeah. um, so that was just really <laughs> exactly really good experience because I got to work mm. in so many different libraries and when I was in the vet library on a Thursday night, I was on my own. So I was everything, you know, I was the librarian, I was the assistant librarian, I was the library assistant, I was the shelver. Um, but what was interesting was I had been used to working in building services in the Michael Smurfit Graduate School. And um, if you were there at night time at 10 o'clock, you had to clear the building. And believe me, the students in the business school did not want to leave. Yeah. So there was often shouting and stamping of feet and demanding people to leave. So the first night I was in um, the vet library and I think that closed at 9.30. I started going around about nine o'clock, bellowing around the vet library, saying the library will be closing in, you know, 25 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. They were all gone by quarter past nine. They're terrified of it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I remember standing in the middle of it going, OK, where are they all gone? Why, are they, why have they all left? Because veterinary students were just so well behaved. Mm. So then I learned I used to just have to go around very quietly about 25 past nine and say, guys, closing in five minutes. Mm. And they'd all just tidy up their books and their bags and off they'd go. And by 9.29, we'd all be walking out the front door together. So, mm. yeah, it's a different different level of customer service needed. Yeah, different client base. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the other ones. Um, so I went to library school and I had an interesting year because Aoife Lawton was in my class mm. and Jean Cassidy, who's in the Chief State Solicitor's Office, Sinead yeah. Curtin, who's in uh, McCann Fitzgerald, James Malloy, who's in UCD, Philip mm. Russell. So an interesting class. A bit of a dream team there. Um, interesting people, yeah, and I'm sorry for anyone I've left out <laughs> <laughs> that was in my class. Um, did so you feel, having done all that experience, having had quite a bit of experience yeah. in very different types yeah. of libraries really in UCD by the time you got to the course did you kind of feel like mm. yeah I've got this I'm, I know what the, what um, the library world is like and what, what no. to expect here I have to say I found the library course you know it was a means to an end mm. um, you know kind of I suppose the subject areas that were mandatory like catalog and classification were mandatory and that's just not my area yeah. Um, I hear you there. I'm sorry to all the catalogues out there, but it's just now I do. I totally forward. understand it because, mm. as an end user of information, as somebody who searches and does research all day every day, mm. I absolutely want all my databases mm. and all my catalogues, and my Google and whatever else that I'm looking on to be properly indexed in the background and to be catalogued correctly, and for there to be conventions and controlled vocabulary. But I just don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to do 
But I do want to know that there is a team behind the scenes doing all of that so that when I sit down to look for information, you know, and I figure out, you know, am I using Boolean logic? Am I using, you know, fields or, you know, whatever it is that I'll get the information I want. Um, So, yeah, that wouldn't really be my area. Um, I think the things that were missing, you know, I suppose I found it a little bit academic when you come out the other side. I mean, there was nothing to do with financial management or budget or planning. Yeah, certainly when I was in Irish school or mm. project management, I suppose, wasn't even really a, a term or, or, I don't know, was it? This was 97, 98, so I don't know. Yeah. Did that exist? Thing, just, yeah, yeah it certainly wasn't in library school. Um, I suppose the subjects or the modules that I liked the best were things around, you know, issues and information and management mm-hmm. of information and there was a whole module when I was doing it back then on European information mm-hmm. now I think that's possibly because of course was ESF funded and I was the last yeah. year that it was ESF funded so anyone after me had to pay that fees like such a long time ago yeah the library masters was exactly uh, yeah 98 it ended yeah. so um, so then get to the end of library school and I'm still you know, working part time in UCD no, I was ready to look for, you know, a full time job. And an ad went up one day on the notice board. Um and I think Noreen Hazy, I was still the secretary, and it was for a three month placement in the Guinness Library. And I was like, hmm <laughs> That sounds very interesting. I think I, like I might Guinness. go for I that. Like exactly, you know, why not? Um and off I went and I got the job. Mm-hmm. Now it was only meant to be three months and it was kind of a placement in their in their library. But that wasn't, they hadn't divulged all of the information at the interview. So in um, Guinness at that stage was part of Diageo, a large multinational mm-hmm. company, 24,000 employees, you know, 600 products in 150 countries. Um, but in Dublin, in the Guinness Brewery, they'd always had kind of scientific R&D site things, a kind mm-hmm. of a lab where they, it's where the widget, you know, came out of that's in the cans and different products. Um and since the 1930s, they, they'd had, you know, a library, a scientific library. Um, and there was a lady, Ethna Mooney, who had been the librarian there for probably nearly 30 years by the time I arrived that summer. Mm. Um, and again, fantastic lady. Um, but she was retiring that summer and her number two. So she was a librarian. The assistant librarian was a woman called Marie Money Hines, who had was a scientist and had worked actually in the labs in Guinness mm. for a number of years and then an opportunity to come up they decided to increase the staff of the library so internally they asked if anyone was interested in going to UCD and doing the masters and this had been a few years before that so she had gone off to do that yeah. um, so when I arrived the two of them running the internal library so it was part of the R&D facility which then became like the Beer Technical Centre and you know names change mm. um, but what transpired that Ethna was actually retiring that summer so they had offered this student placement thing t- to people uh, for a number of years, but they'd usually taken somebody just before they went to library school. Yeah. So again, one of uh, the people I'm still really good friends with and was one of my classmates in library school was Amanda Woods. So she had worked there the summer before, before she went to library school. Um, so Amanda is now Amanda Brannigan and a librarian in Dundalk, public, or Louds Public Library is based in Dundalk. Um, so when they had interviewed for people that summer, they were looking at, you know, to the future that you'd stay on and become the assistant librarian because uh, what happened was that Ethna retired and Marie became the librarian and I became the assistant librarian okay. and it so just kind of they were clearly they were yeah. seeing kind of a longer yeah so which I didn't know till I arrived and, and yeah expanded the vision for the library service. exactly so I 
started off with a three month kind of summer student contract and by the September that had been turned into a three year you know properly well paid mm. quite well paid actually um, assistant librarian or I can't quite remember what my job title was um, so that was really really interesting um, you know working in a large multinational mm. you know company that makes products makes alcoholic drinks obviously mm. very interesting got involved in lots of different things and did all the kind of sensory tasting training and we were you know it sounds awful it sounds awful it was, yeah it was horrendous I hated every minute of that um, having to taste beer is part of your job I'm sure you'd love it um, and but I suppose the key thing was that I didn't realise it at the time because I'm not sure when the term embedded librarianship be, really became you know uh, such a big term but we were definitely embedded librarians because we sat within the this R&D function um, and all of our colleagues and we were part of this bigger team now mm. depending what structure we were in because we got restructured about every 18 months and there was always something different happening but the team was anywhere in size from about 20 something people to about 60 something people it changed over the years mm. I was there headed up by this particular technical director um, my other colleagues across the team would have been scientists and engineers so they were looking at everything from how the beer is made the you know the the process of brewing, um, looking at and then extending out across the company to distilling and winemaking and, and other things, uh, but also looking at the all the machinery and the, the, the kit that goes into making, um, you know, that you have in a brewery. And it wasn't just about Dublin, it was about Ireland, the UK, Africa, Europe, California, where all the wine stuff was, Australia. Mm-hmm. So it was very much multinational. So I was providing information to people all over the world primarily probably in Dublin, Africa, but actually all over the world. Um, so that was really interesting. And what I got into there, very much so, was current awareness. I think we mentioned it earlier, that kind of tailored information to people. Um, you know, it started off with the journal circulationist, but, you know, quickly moved on to electronic newsletters, um, competitor intelligence, part of my role as well. Then, oh yeah, then the following year, sorry, she said that Marie Money Hines left. So within a year of leaving, leaving library school, I was the librarian. Um, and then we recruited an assistant librarian and Amanda Woods uh, mm-hmm. came in. And then after she left, um, it's when Erin Mahoney went, came to work there. Um, so part of my role as the library manager was also as the patents administrator. Um, so again, a little bit of law, a little bit of legal information. Mm-hmm. Also, something a lot of questions we would have asked around were to do with EU legislation and legislation in all countries, uh, packaging, labelling. What can you call a beer? What can you not call a beer? But the ABV in different countries is, you know, there's different standards and regulations. So I suppose there was there was always that little again bit of law kind of coming through in the subject area. And the other key thing I learned was project management. We just learned it on the job because absolutely everything was a project. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just the way of working. Now, at some stage, you know, they'd go through phases of, so everybody must go and do a project management course. And we'd all go off and do, you know, a couple of days. But the actual way of working all day, every day, all the documentation was just project management. And it was just th- the language and the culture. Mm-hmm. It seems from what you're saying about the... Um, setting yeah. and the way of working and the embeddedness yeah. of it, it's very much like the way that a lot of um, information professionals work now but it seems like it was very yeah and absolutely and they'd had like would people have been very surprised I think so. It was unusual. Yeah. It was definitely unusual and I mean when you told anyone you know outside 
in any walk of life that you met from a taxi driver to, you know, to anyone else. What are you know, what do you do? I'm a librarian. Where do you work? Guinness. I mean, the, the two concepts were just beyond yes, everybody. It was just, yeah, you know, and then eventually after a long, lengthy pause, somebody say, do they have books up in the brewery? You know, and, and it was just impossible to yeah. try and explain what you did as a librarian in Guinness. Um, then an awful lot of people assumed that you worked in the archives. Now, there is there are the Guinness archives, yeah. which, again, at Academic Special Libraries events, we've had Evelyn Roach mm-hmm. speak to us. Um, and the archives are absolutely amazing. The Guinness archives in Dublin are absolutely amazing and stunning. And since, the, you know, the storehouse has opened up, mm-hmm. that's really opened up as well as a more uh, public uh, space. Um, but the archives are completely separate to the internal library. And again, back in those days when I was there, there was also a library uh, internally in, there was a, uh, within the Scotch uh, distilling business. Uh, there was an R&D facility up in Stirling in Scotland and they had a librarian who had, whose name as well was Anne. So that led to mass confusion because you had Anne in Stirling and you had Anne in Dublin and that got very confusing. Um, in Park Royal, the brewery in London, which is no longer there, there was a business librarian. Mm working there there was also a library function in Chicago um, so as a company yeah they had they certainly supported up until about mid 2000s when then so they decided yeah exactly yeah powerful. and competitor intelligence and patents and all that kind of information and I suppose that's what I really like I like that current awareness and I like going out and finding out what everyone else is doing and I like being able to provide tailored kind of research products to people and I developed this uh, service called the Daily News, which uh, by the time I left, went out in a mailing list to over 800 people and was published on the internet every day. Yeah. But unfortunately... Again, that's very much sort of something that's part and parcel of a lot of librarians yeah. now, where you're kind of packaging and segmenting yeah. and tailoring. Yeah, and I was actually doing that back in the early 2000s, mm. not quite knowing that, yeah, that yeah. it was just going to become, yeah, the norm everywhere else. Um but unfortunately, they decided in about 2005 that really we don't need librarians anymore because we have Google now yeah. and everything's on Google. So mm-hmm. a, a decision was taken at a very, very senior level in the company by somebody who never used the library service that we don't need the library anymore. And was that a big blow? Did that come um, blue? No. Uh, the woman, Anne, who was the librarian in, in Stirling, uh, was, had retired and they hadn't replaced her. And yeah there were always murmurings because again in a business like that no different to where I am now you're a cost when you're a support service yeah. in a in a profit driven company like that you're a cost because I wasn't a salesperson I wasn't marketing I wasn't going out there generating income mm. I was so I was a cost I was buying information products I was uh, you know so when so Diageo over all the years that I worked there like I know I could you know, I could write pages and the number of people I know would be made redundant. Not ever major redundancies, but there's always a few here and there. So they're always as a company cost saving and trying to, you know, make their products uh, for less money to make more profit. And if they can cut the people, they do that as well. So unfortunately that happened in 2006. And they got really, was it the, the entire... Yeah, gone. Service? Yeah. yeah, I was given a skip. I shut down the library. I put everything in the skip, oh, and off I went. Yeah. Yeah. Did a lot of it go to the archives? Or uh, they did, no, the because what I had was the was like the contemporary library service. Mm. No. Um, there were no. I said I actually donated some stuff to UCD, some of the print collections, and then I just uh, let everybody take stuff off the shelves they want for themselves mm. for their own 
with their own use like a lot of brewing technology books and whatever wasn't quite like that but yeah so that was a very bizarre experience and mm-hmm. I suppose having gone through redundancy it's not to be sneezed at it is very tough yeah. to go through um, and when you're made redundant you part of you will th- always think it was your fault that you could have done something else so it's quite demoralising mm-hmm. I mean I think you know me well enough to know I'm quite a positive yeah. person um, but it was very demoralising um, but as part of my redundancy package uh, they paid for me to go for careers counselling mm-hmm. which I think there were three or four sessions about two hours each so I went along to the first one and was absolutely you know I'm only going because they're paying for it and this is going to be completely useless and nobody knows anything about librarians and this is going to be some you know jumped up you know person who's done a weekend life coaching course they think they know everything (laughs) and what the hell do they know about me so I went yeah with attitude central and you know arms folded and you know would barely look the woman in the eye and was kind of like I'm only here because the company are paying for it you know just say what you have to say and I'm going home now in two minutes and I just was obviously matched with somebody really good. She was actually a trained psychologist. <laughs> she hadn't just done a weekend life coaching yes. course. Uh, she had a you know good few years experience under her belt. Yeah, we librarians need to check ourselves sometimes with our assumptions. Exactly. Exactly. And you know we you know I filled out lots of forms and I did lots of I suppose psychometric tests mm. and whatever and I had great conversations with her. Which we eventually figured out at the end that yes, I should be a librarian, <laughs> was where it all came to. And I also think it was a learning for her because, you know, probably thought librarian, get us something about books. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. Um, and then realised, I suppose, where my skill set lay in research and, and, you know, the areas that I'm interested in, kind of the dealing with your users or your customers or whatever that is. And I suppose a bit of the training. So, you know, it was but the best thing it gave me. Well, there was two things was number one. It brought my competence levels back up, yeah, exactly. which was a good thing. And number two, they also put together my CV for me, like a proper professional CV mm-hmm. that I don't know how much it costs nowadays, but it would probably cost a couple hundred quid. Yeah. yeah, which is still the CV I have now, and I just have to tweak it a little mm-hmm. bit. So I have a great foundation of a, you know, of a kind of a template or whatever for a CV. Um, but it was 2006. It was the Celtic Tiger. It was boom time. There were jobs, you know in all sectors, across all types of libraries. Um, so you just had, you know, yeah. your, your core skills Yeah, exactly. You just kind of got your librarian mojo on yeah. and uh, here you were unleashed. Unleashed on the, the world. And I mean, you know, it was still back in the day when you bought the Irish Times on a Friday and there could be three or four librarian jobs, mm. you know, which for our profession, which is quite, I suppose, niche and in certain areas and all kinds of jobs, um, you know, like I think nowadays probably people feel they have to apply for everything because you know there's, yeah, there's so well for years there. there was so little it is I think it's definitely improving the last year but no I was able to look at the Irish Times Friday go mm, no no I don't like that one no maybe I'll apply for that one I'm not sure about the other one you know um, and I, I had no qualms that Just I would the, be employed the idea of this embarrassment of riches exactly of, yeah, and also jobs. you know I had quite a generous redundancy package mm, so, so I had breathing space um, and I was able to kind of look at different jobs and think about them and um, I suppose they're definitely you know there were very there were very few relatively speaking corporate librarians in Ireland so I knew that you know after my eight years in Diageo I probably am going to be moving into the private or the public sector so we'll see what happens mm-hmm. and I got a job as a research librarian in the Oireachtas mm-hmm. so I was only actually really yeah so I was only 
May, no, April, May, June. I was only actually unemployed or out of work mm-hmm. for four months, which yeah. was nothing, really. Which seems for me like such a short period of time. Yeah. Looking back now, but I'd say it felt like a lifetime. Um, no, I actually wasn't quite ready to come oh, back. Right. I was like, I could have, I could have waited till at least September. Yeah. It was the first time I'd had a break since I was like an undergrad. Like mm-hmm. it was, I was really enjoying it. And the weather was fantastic that year. It was 2006. It was the last really, really good mm-hmm. summer we had. And I was just enjoying being in Dublin and not under pressure to work. And I was able to go and meet people for lunch that I wouldn't normally meet and do things during the day. Mm-hmm. I had joined the Academic Special Libraries Committee the year before. Yeah. Um, and that year we had a seminar the first seminar yeah, was in the RDS so um, I was able to go and do stuff during the day that I wouldn't normally be able to do um, so no I was quite happy to I could have done another few months <laughs> off um, so off I went to work in the Oireachtas uh, in July 2006 which was a few months after Mary O'Neill had started there mm. um, so that was a really interesting time because there has been a library in the House of the Oireachtas since 1922 mm. um, and I think it had like about 12 staff um, and it was very much a library uh, paper-based type service. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, back in the early 2000s, the Irish Parliament as a whole had gone through kind of a benchmarking exercise, the Dublin and Touche report, um, that looked at many different services and benchmarked it against other uh, parliaments of a similar size and, you know, within Europe and, you know, other kind of common law jurisdictions. And they found that key missing was there was no internal dedicated research service. So all of the political parties and everybody else that needed research were going outside. They were paying consultants. They were getting the political spin. Mm-hmm. But we were, there was a key missing in this independent internal research. Um, so they decided to set up a new library research service. They advertised in 2005 with the post of head of library research services. Mm-hmm. And Madeleine Dennison was successful in getting that post, which is still there. She came from the attorney general's office. Um, and then the following year, 2006, was when they advertised for new researchers, new librarians, lots of n- new different posts. Mm. So the post that I got was a research librarian post to work on the law team. So again, back to law, <laughs> seemed law, to, yeah. yeah. And when I went for it, the research librarian, you know, was described as working, doing research, bit of information skills, training. Yeah. You know, it sounded like, you know, some stuff that I'd already done. They didn't tell me at the initial stages that I was going to be working with the law team because the initial structure was that the researchers and a subject librarian would sit together. So again, back to this kind of embedded librarianship, the librarian working with uh, their colleagues. Um, so things changed a lot over the years I was there. I mean, it was a fantastic experience. It's been absolutely brilliant to have worked in Leinster House. Um, you know, I love current affairs and politics anyway, so to have been on the inside yeah, of all that for nine years. Absolutely. And to have gone in in 2006, which was, you know, the heyday of Fianna Fáil and all the money. Yeah. And then I've gone through all of austerity and all that and worked in there during all of that. It was very interesting times. Um, also, it was a permanent pensionable civil service job, yeah. which I got in 2006. And so through all of the downturn, even though, you know, there were pay cuts and there was longer hours and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I had a permanent pensionable job in Ireland, which, you know, we're not. There's a lot of people who didn't, obviously, yeah, and a lot, a, people who, a lot of people particularly in our profession. Um, and, you know, I'm very grateful for that. I didn't have mm. to worry during all that time. Um, mm. So it was really interesting to be there. And I think having listened to Marie's podcast as well, it was, it was that, you know, that first year or two because it was, you know, developing the service that was already there, creating new services. Mm. Um, it was great to be in at the beginning, you know, there's some of the services yeah. there now. It sounds like they were really looking at yeah. uh, 
developing kind of a future focused service that they absolutely yeah yeah it was a huge transition um so I suppose the librarian team was always the smaller team. We then ended up being a team on our own. Um, there were like five librarians and there were 20 something researchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously during austerity and doing more with less and whatever, I essentially ended up doing two jobs, mm-hmm. really. I was a research librarian. Um, so, you know, uh, doing research for and on behalf of the members and the, and the political staff and some of the houses staff and then on the other side I was the acquisitions librarian so I was involved in purchasing all the online mm-hmm. and print information resources so, so I certainly kept busy really different yeah I like both mm-hmm. and I think that's why maybe working in the smaller special libraries what I like because yeah. again having come from Diageo, from the Guinness Brewery, which was very research focused because what my colleagues were doing, they were, mm. you know, the internal researchers. Um, but also I was managing the library. Um, so you got to do a bit of both. It's similar to what I'm doing now. I think I like that. I think because I, th- I like to know what my, whatever you want to call them now, customers, clients, users, whoever, the people you're giving the information to, so whether they're academics or students or doctors or lawyers or brewers or Mm -hmm. politicians. Yeah, if you're in the bigger libraries and you move further and further, I suppose, up Mm -hmm. the the scale, you move away from the end user. Yeah. Um, Whereas I think it's it's really important and it's really good to engage with your end user because then you understand their information needs. You understand, Mm -hmm. well, why is the library here? And then you understand, well, if we have to go out and buy information products, what ones should we be buying? And then also if you're developing, you know, online services or your intranet, you know, you're not just going to put a random links to anything that you feel like Mm. it's, you know, it's obviously going to be tailored. So I think I like that. Yeah. And you start to see um, either the benefit, the positive or negative or negative impacts of every decision that you make. And you see how people are using your information. Yeah. Yeah. And you see changes begin to filter through. Absolutely. Further yeah. you are yeah. your end user, the longer it takes for you to see the impact of yeah. any decisions or any changes. So yeah, it's one benefit of working in. That's what I think I like. You see the full kind of the cycle of all your Absolutely. information as well. Yeah. You, you see, yeah. you know, you harvest it in, you yeah. package it, you tailor yeah. it, and then you push it out and you see yeah. what the end result of that kind of work that you've done is. There's a, a nice feeling. Yeah, it's a nice circle, I suppose. Is it yeah. the information cycle or something, or yeah, the research cycle? Yeah, interesting. So yeah, you worked for how many years? Nine. Nine. Nine and a bit, yeah. Nearly ten years. Mm. Yeah, it was quite a significant part of my <laughs> life or decade or whatever, yeah. Yeah. And like, what was the biggest change you saw just in the time that you were there? In the Oireachtas? Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose... In those early years, because it was a new service and people weren't probably quite sure what it was, mm-hmm. um, and there a lot of trust to be built up in that, like yeah, there's a lot of trust and understanding. Kind of react to this new service. They reacted very well and very positively, mm-hmm. um, but I suppose you know technology definitely helped because in the early days we didn't really have an intranet, so even figuring how to, well, where are we going to put the links to? whether they're the paid subscription mm-hmm. resources or other free resources that we feel are relevant. Um, that was always a challenge. Um, in Leinster House proper, in the old house where the Dawn and Shanna chamber are, there is the members' reading room, which is a beautiful room. Mm-hmm. And some of the library staff, we were 
usually the librarians are based there but our other colleagues you know the section was anywhere between 30 and 40 staff were based in other buildings and they were kind of hidden away so actually our physical visibility was a challenge and also the members reading room only members were allowed to come in there Mm. So our visibility as a service to political staff and to the other civil service civil servants in the houses was always a challenge. Yeah. Um, and that is a real issue. In, in yeah, in libraries really and libraries. special libraries and the visibility. Um, but I suppose over the f- in the first couple of years, we very quickly found a couple of products, um, information products that we knew with hooks, and that's how we got the members in the TDs and the senators. Now we went out and spoke to a lot of the other parliamentary libraries because, again, in each well, you know, while all libraries provide similar type services, there's only one parliament in every country, yeah. um, but there are great networks across all the parliamentary libraries um, in the world, uh, particularly within uh, the UK and Ireland. Uh, it's called. IPRIN, the Interparliamentary Research and Information Network. So it's uh, the House Commons Library, the House of Lords Library, and the devolved assemblies then of Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, where Marie O'Neill worked at one stage, um, and the Isle of Man, who have one librarian, and the Channel Islands. And we would have spoken to each other and talked all the time. So they had very established services, especially obviously the House of Commons. Um, so we developed a product called the Bills Digest. So that's the researchers. Uh, you know, they follow the legislative programme, they're anticipating what's coming down the tracks and they prepare, it's like a kind of a briefing paper mm. for the TDs and Senators for that initial stage, it's called second stage of debate, when the bill is coming through the House and that has now become the key product. Mm. Um, so that's the number one product that's provided mm. and all members so get it. Anticipation yeah. Exactly. And then, um, you know, so initially it was sent out by email, you know, as a PDF attachment to everybody and we would print off copies and we put them on their, you know, their pigeonholes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then, you know, as time went on and Erin would have been very involved in uh, setting up our internal WordPress um, site and with other colleagues and developing um that just made life much easier because we all had kind of access and editing rights on WordPress um, and just different products then it was just easier to get them in but I also think the downturn the economy changed things mm. because I suppose they had been a little bit complacent before that and um, they were definitely and you know with the advent of a lot more independence independents don't have the party backup so yeah. they're looking way more towards the services within Leinster House of you know lots of different services um, you know, for information. Um, and I suppose the demands of they now have people texting them and, you know, tweeting them and whatever all the time. So they need the same level of access to information. So I think a mixture of technology, a mixture of the downturn mm. has actually led to, you know, the yeah. the success of the Library Research Service in the House of Eurocles. And also, you know, everybody I worked with, just a dedication and to the service and making sure we were providing the best service to the members. You know, we were just member focused the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, the TDs, senators, you know, trying to anticipate, trying to be really proactive and not just sitting back and waiting for them to come in and ask us for something. Um, we still provided that service, obviously, um, but at all times, like, oh, what else can we send them? Oh, maybe this will happen or, you know, oh, there's going to be statements on, you know, whatever, you something or other in the chamber, like, oh, we'll send out something and this, just constantly thinking and pushing information out all of the time. Mm. So in terms of you know, information service yeah. environments, it's probably one of the most pressurised that you can be in, in yeah. terms of just the, the immediacy of the Yes, um, absolutely. How did you find that 
it says uh, I know from knowing you, yeah. you sort of thrive on that absolutely but, no I love that yeah. I loved that I loved the um, well basically you listen to Morning Ireland in the morning that kind of you know set the scene for the day yeah. was a lot of the time um, and just that knowing that your day just constantly chopped and changed all throughout the day um, I don't think it suits everybody um, but if but if you like that, if you I think like, there's a lot of um, that in special libraries and in smaller yeah. libraries, whether it's, you know, you're yeah. working in you know, serving parliamentarians yeah. or you're working in a particular kind of sector, yeah. you're still constantly looking yeah. at, you know, what is quite live to your users Absolutely. and, and shifting your yeah. entire focus to yeah. everyone's going to be talking about this, this is yeah. the thing I need to be giving them, yeah. giving them information. And I need to read up on it or and I you need to, never know yeah. the huge yeah. amount of uncertainty where yeah. you're just... A, but I think it makes for very interesting and you're certainly I mean you're never going to be bored mm. it's always interesting and you know the day flies and suddenly it's like oh gosh you know it's five six seven o'clock it's yeah. time to think about going home mm. yeah you know you're certainly not sitting back wondering oh I wonder you know what will happen today I don't think I've ever had a library job like that so no, yeah. yeah I've always been I busy know where like I don't know people They're talk about them yeah yeah no Exactly. <laughs> no. So then you moved on. I did very recently. The law called me again. Well, I suppose it came from the legislature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose, like we've just mentioned, you know, things are opening up a little bit. There are definitely more opportunities. Yeah, um, so I wasn't, you know, actively out there, you know, beating down the door, running where looking for things, mm-hmm. but. You know, again, over, I suppose we'll come to this as well, my involvement in the Library Association, my involvement in library jobs with Margaret Irons. Mm. I think I've read every library job ad that has been advertised since, you know, the mid-90s, you know, because I'm very interested in where my profession is. And I think, you know, when different jobs come up, you can see, you know, if there's new job titles, like there's a new role at the moment in UCD. Yeah, exactly. Like there's scholarly communication librarian was advertised recently Mm -hmm. in UCD, Um, you know, the fact that we've changed from librarians to maybe being a knowledge service manager, which is my current titles, you know, or seeing that, you know, a particular position is advertised and going, oh, I didn't know that, you know, the person who is in that role is leaving or retiring or moving on or whatever. So I've always been very interested in in all of that and in all of the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've read every job out, as I said, you know, library assistant to, you know, college librarian and everything in between. Um, and you know, in the last couple of years since things have started to open up, you know, I was open to if something interesting comes along, then I think I'll I'll go for that. So the job that I have now, uh, knowledge service manager Nana Goodbody was advertised in February. I just read the job out and thought, hmm, I like yeah. the sound of that. I shall go and investigate like and see what happens. And I the coming for interview, I did two interviews and they offered me the job and mm-hmm. here I am, I arrived on the sixteenth of May. Yeah. And so it's now it's the 3rd of October, so it's still quite new. new. Still shiny and new, and I had four weeks off in the middle of the summer, so yeah. Mm. Still, still shiny and new. Place. Yeah, exactly. And what, what is new about, about here compared to, like, similar in the sense probably that the um, fast-paced... Um, yeah, it's not, I suppose, it's not hugely different in the kind of work that I'm doing considering that I worked in a small corporate library in mm. Guinness and then I worked in... Uh, the house the Oireachtas so 
the law, the legislation, like I, I track legislation, I look at the dull debates most days, I do current awareness, I do tailored services, I, um, I'm working with two other people, assistant mm-hmm. librarian or assistant knowledge service manager we're currently recruiting for and I have a knowledge assistant, Louise Tobin. Um, you know, we're here, you've seen where we're physically based in the middle of the building, yeah, we're very open. You know, we're not hidden away in the basement as, mm-hmm. you know, some libraries can be. People walk past all the time. So we're in a very open space. Uh, we're called the Knowledge Centre, which is essentially the library. Mm-hmm. And we're part of a bigger knowledge team. So the firm is very um, focused on knowledge. Um, and it's one of the practice areas, one of the, the teams within the business. Um, we have a knowledge partner who is Paula Reed, and then a team of professional support lawyers, um, some knowledge paralegals, and then the there are three librarians. So... Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to be part of that team. Um, again, back to I think I'm possibly an embedded librarian again. Yeah. <laughs> in within a knowledge function in a corporate law firm, mm-hmm. um, which is expanding, which is good. Yeah. Since I arrived, taking on quite a number of staff, and we've also uh, planning permission for a six-story extension. So. So yeah, onwards and upwards, hopefully. So uh, I suppose the the change is on. You know. If you know, I was eight years in Diageo, I was nine years in the Oireachtas. Um, You know, I've come to a new organisation. For me, I suppose the difference, the change is different people. Mm-hmm. I'm the new girl again. I don't know everyone or, you know, everyone or everything. Obviously, still working out how, you know, the mm-hmm. actual culture of the organisation, how things work around here. Yeah. So not even so much about the library service or the knowledge service, more mm-hmm. that more organisational yeah, the stuff um, that, you know, the, the, the other stuff, the yeah, about yeah, actually, yeah, how, how it all gets done, done and then understanding, well, what, what is our function, so we're a corporate law firm, mm-hmm. um, who are our clients, when I'm providing information to the solicitors here and to my colleagues, well, where is it ultimately ending up, so, you know, obviously we have lots of clients that we advise, yes. so, so we don't do criminal law or family law, yeah. but it's everything so else in between. Definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, it's still, I mean, it really is only four months, that's very new. Yeah, it's very new. Fairly new, but um, I suppose I've brought with me, certainly there are things that have brought me from the Oireachtas and the understanding actually of the legislative process from being inside in Parliament um, has been interesting here, so I've already given a talk on that. Um, and then there are just some things about, you know, like I send out the Oireachtas schedule every Monday morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like I'm still in my old job and different things. So, some things you still yeah. And then there are things, again, I suppose when I was working in the Oireachtas and Leinster House, while well, we did provide, I suppose, a level of current awareness, um, because being in the Parliament, everything we had to do was impartial and um, unbiased. So if you sent out, you couldn't do stuff that was completely tailored and bespoke for like a political party or a group of people because that would be seen as bias so everything had to be sent to everybody so I'm back now in an environment when I can tailor things um, which I you know, suppose back to what I didn't get so I like that you know instead of just sending out everything to everybody and probably annoying some of the people now I can cherry pick and say oh well that's they're the tax people or they work in banking or whatever and I can tailor things so I like that and do they know about your um, amazing project management skills? <laughs> need to talk about not yet. Your many years not yet. ASL, oh God! You were actually supposed to be the first. I know. Guest on but I Girls escaped. Allowed, but you gave me the run <laughs> for many months. <laughs> I thought but I'd let the. I thought I'd let the other nine people do it first. Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, I hadn't. I hadn't left the rock to that stage. So I thought I'd let the other nine be the guinea pigs. Mm. <laughs> but what I really wanted to get was. 
were sort of in on the start of being a Selwyn. Well, no, the start of a new phase. Yeah, the start of it as a new phase. I mean, I think Academic Special Libraries section, you know, has been there probably as long as the LAI. I'm not sure. Mm. The LAI is there since 1928. Um, so I joined, yeah, joined the committee in 2005 and stayed till 2015. So okay. I did my 10 year stint. Who roped you in? So I just blame Katrina Sharkey for everything. Um, I'm sure many of you know her. She's the assistant not, or the associate knowledge director yeah, in EY, Ernst & Young. Uh, but it all actually came from a conversation on copyright. Mm. So it, you know, again, having gone straight from library school to working in somewhere like Guinness, um, I always, you know, I was always a member of the Library Association. And I always kept my eye again on everything that was going on. and. Mm would have felt I suppose that a lot of the events and seminars and conferences and that took place in Ireland were very public library face focused yeah. or very academic library focused and when you weren't in those kind of libraries it was like mm, what's there for the rest of us mm-hmm. um, but I tried to go as long to many events as I could that I felt you know I could kind of uh, you know to see other you know my other colleagues and people I'd been in library school with and different things like that um, but a conversation started certainly with us in Guinness between myself and Aaron about copyright because it was a, it was a huge issue when you worked mm. in a for-profit organisation because we didn't have parliamentary privilege we weren't in academia it was for research and we started having to pay like ridiculous copyright fees because mm. uh, of where we were um, and there were there was just nothing happening in Ireland about like copyright in, in the corporate environment again it was all focused kind of on I suppose different sectors and Aaron and I did go to I think was it an ASLIB or a TFPL one of those training courses in the UK mm, sounds like, yeah, on something. yeah copyright for corporate librarians and I remember being completely freaked out and deciding that everything I was doing in work was completely um, mm. against copyright but also was very UK focused but then we had a whole issue because while I worked in the Guinness Brewery in Dublin we actually worked for a global part of the organisation our parent company was based in the UK we reported into London but I was providing information all over the world and sometimes we would get copies of journal articles faxed over from the UK to Dublin and then I would send them to Africa so where does the copyright yeah Yeah. exactly so we you know just led to mass confusion try to speak to you know kind of the internal legal division in Dublin, they said, no, you have to talk to London. And we went around and around the houses and we're, we're getting nowhere and just kind of hoping that nobody would come in and ask us really what we were doing. And one day, Aaron and I were sitting in the office and uh, the LAI annual report landed in, in our desk. And this was kind of spring 2005. And you eagerly jumped up. And, and I eagerly jumped cover up and cover. I read a cover to cover. And um, I was reading through the, I suppose, the minutes of the report to do with the motions at the AGM. Mm. Yeah, I suppose from the year before and one of them was that Anya Carey who was a librarian in Arab Engineering had asked a question about copyright for corporate librarians um, and essentially Anya was referred to that she should talk to the Academic Special Libraries section so I'm reading this out to Erin and Erin said oh there was no Anya Carey in my class in library school maybe it's the same person mm-hmm. so Erin went off found a number for Anya rang her and so do you want to care that I was in library school with you work in Arab engineering and yeah we're two corporate librarians here and we're all confused and that was the start of it so we went and we met the three of us for lunch and Anya had been told that she needed to go and talk to Katrina Sharkey who at that stage was the chair she was she was in Acelia um, so she contacted 
Katrina. Katrina called us, organised a meeting then in Ernst Young over in Harcourt Place, Terrace, whatever, wherever their offices are. Um, and essentially what had happened, she was totally on board for this, said, yeah, we'll definitely organise a half day event. So what had happened really in the two years kind of prior to that, the Academic Special Library section had kind of just lost their way a little bit. Mm. They had been organising a seminar, their one day seminar, two years before, or a year before that which actually I had been was booked to go on and it was the year of foot and mouth disease and everything was cancelled last mm. minute and I think that kind of you know yeah, just kind of yeah put a halt to things for a little while uh, so Katrina was absolutely delighted to see all these enthusiastic people mm. and basically said well you know because they hadn't had an AGM the year before in 2004 so you know before I knew where I was going suddenly I was now on the academic special library section committee I was organising an AGM in June uh, we were having Anne-Marie from Cambridge as the guest speaker and flying her over from Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Anya was going to be the chair, I was going to be the secretary and Erin was going to be the treasurer. And that all kind of happened before I knew where we were going. Yeah. And then I remember saying, but guys, this is the academic and special library section. The four of us are all corporate librarians. Surely we, you know, we're not representative of, of the people. Um, so... Erin and Ony between them, I'm not sure which of them came up with this, decided they would contact Ava Hornung because she was in their class in library school and we got Ava on board. Um, and then I spoke to Arlene Healy and Trinity about how would we approach the academic librarians to get somebody on a committee. So she helped me with uh, doing that and we got uh, two responses. One, unfortunately, was from somebody who at the time was not a member of the LEI, so we had to say, turn that person down. And the other person was Olivia Fitzpatrick, who was the... Um, Humanities Librarian in UCC at the time. Mm. Absolutely, again, fantastic woman. Um, only a few years off retirement, so I only knew her for a couple of years and she was just inspirational. You know, lived in Africa in the 60s and gone off on an adventure and done all kinds of mad things. Mm. Um, so from June 2005, we became the new new committee. Mm. Um, so the first event we organised was that September, a half-day uh, copyright for corporate librarians and we had it in Collins Barracks. Um, and we did. We definitely had a solicitor to talk. I'm God, I can't even remember who else talked, and that was really where it all started from. And was that where you got the bug then? For that's where we got the bug. Um, I suppose you see in Guinness as well. Well, I'd come from Guinness, and I had involved. I'd been involved in organising events and planning things and project management and all that kind of stuff. So we took it from there. Um, and then how the networking evening started uh, was. I had gone to a couple of um, events in London. Again, I suppose being a you know the Guinness librarian, but we were you know very UK focused. Uh, I think it was called the City Information Business Group. That basically my sweats can't manage this time had roped me into going to a couple of things, um, and they would have like maybe say an afternoon session or talk. That's the first place I saw lightning presentations. Was the first place I saw suppliers being allowed to talk at a you'll see where all my ideas mm, came from that you now implement, yeah, came from in the NSL. And they would have these networking evenings. So again, instead of just having, you know, just going to the pub, which any of us could do any night of the week, but just have have it, you know, a little bit more focused. So you do have a talk or a visit or whatever. But have it in the evening, have it at six o'clock, let's have a glass of wine, yeah. a few canapes that we love, Royal Irish Academy, and have a chat. And I think they've been one of the most successful things the Academic Special Library section have done. Because I know mm-hmm. other groups have, you know, had similar events. Because um, it seems to suit people. And I think librarians are so, 
we're so dedicated to our profession. You know, other people yeah. think you're going out with a bunch of librarians after work. You know, they'd be like, no, after work is time to go home. It's time to mm. get on with the rest of my life. And we love talking to each other. Yeah. And we love it's sharing. Yeah, exactly. And I think an awful lot of us are, and what, I suppose what's interesting about our profession, we're kind of, it's like we're organisation neutral. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter where you work, but you'll say something like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter what the topic is, like well, what, you know, what database are you using for this subject area or are you getting a new library management system or are you going open access or whatever? And everybody just piles in and says, oh, this is what we're doing. Oh, gosh, no, we haven't done that yet. No, I was thinking about that. Or, and we all just share that information and knowledge. And I think the network, the community we have is amazing. Yeah. Like at this stage, and certainly I'd say for the last 10 or 12 years, I would have no qualms about picking up the phone or sending an email or sending a tweet or whatever it is to a librarian in any organisation mm-hmm. across the world saying, hi, I'm Anne, a librarian in Dublin and I need to know about whatever it is. And there's a real sense that, yeah. even for myself, like I yeah. sort of have this sort of unarticulated rule of yeah. no matter how busy I am, if I get a request... Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I had one this afternoon. Never annoyed yeah. to get another query no. or another no. request. No. Or another yeah. seeking information yeah. from another librarian. I Absolutely. Always Absolutely. Library because uh, I know they yeah. have the same for me. There is a real sense. Yeah. Of That's kind of like they're the unwritten rules. Yeah. I had an email this afternoon from a librarian somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I was back to her, I'd say, within a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You kind of jump to it. Yeah. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. And you can answer right yeah. away. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or if you can't do that time or you, you know, you're leaving the office mm-hmm. or whatever. But I would always respond and say, I'll come back to you. Sorry, I can't do it this afternoon or whatever. But you'd at least respond. You wouldn't just, yeah, leave it sitting there in your inbox. Um, no, I think the community that we have, the networking, uh, we're just open. We like to share. It's. I think it's very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting profession. I don't know as many other professions that are like us. I don't either, yeah. And the people who did the, the live stream yeah. for the conference last year, oh, yes. because they had to yeah. watch all yeah. of it, and obviously they go to a lot of conferences, yeah. and they see a lot of people yeah. talk about their professions, and yeah. all different walks of life, yeah. and they were really astonished at the end of the day. Yeah. They, they both said to me, I've never seen, they said, you've got yeah. an amazing community, I've never yeah. seen people at a conference. Yeah this excited about what they do where they were really surprised well first they were very yeah. surprised at how interesting everything oh, yeah. was because I think they thought bunch of librarians they'd be talking about books they'll do about knitting yeah how boring is this yeah. going to be oh yeah absolutely be the most be boring thing ever yeah so they were blown away by just how entertaining everything was but mm. also by the sense of community and yeah. the knowledge sharing yeah. and how enthusiastic yeah. everyone was. Well, I noticed that as well when I was still worked in Guinness or Diageo and, you know, we'd come back from something or we'd be talking about, oh, let's do things or people looking for ideas. And I'd say, oh, we know now in library and wherever mm-hmm. they do things this way. And there was always that sense because obviously Diageo, their products, you know, competitor intelligence was huge. You know, they would go to maybe conferences with other, um, you know, people from other uh, brewing and distilling companies, but they wouldn't be sharing what they were doing internally. Oh, yeah. You know, whereas we as librarians do. Mm. Because again, like yeah. you just said, yeah. what we do is sort of, it can be transposed yeah. anywhere. Like yeah. I was just saying this to somebody um, last week, like, particularly when you work in an organisation where you're maybe the only librarian yeah. or there's only a few of you, yeah. you're usually one of kind of one or two people yeah. maybe where 
your job really isn't anything to do with probably the core business. Yeah. Um, so what you do could be taken and transplanted anywhere. Yeah. So you have this kind of knowledge set and skill set that you could take and mm. you could be lifted from you know, a medical environment yeah. into, it could be tax you're mm-hmm. dealing with, um, it could yeah. be rare books it could be um, and we just figure it out we just figure it out yeah or, you know in the environment or law mm-hmm. or it could be you know any so yeah. any topic and you're sort of you arrive mm-hmm. with your your bag of tricks you yeah kind of toolkit of knowledge and you get on with it yeah it doesn't really matter what the environment is you could almost be just parachute yeah parachuted in anywhere and you'll get up to speed pretty yeah. quickly and that's what Great, absolutely and I think it's that thing of you're constant. it's a profession where you're constantly learning mm-hmm. like you learn new things every day and, and my parents would have been very supportive of you know education and everything kind of around that area and my mother is very questioning kind of person she certainly brought me up to ask questions and not just accept things because that's the way they are mm-hmm. and her motto through all her she was 82 the other day life is it's a bad day don't learn something she thinks you need to learn one new thing every day yeah and I think that's yeah that's, that's, yeah, pro- that's, and that's probably yeah exactly big, um, that's probably why that it works for me insatiable drive to, yeah. to keep at something exactly and then and push it out to somebody else and help mm-hmm. them and are you sure so whether that is you're sitting down with somebody doing the research for somebody you're getting them the right book off the shelf you are training them uh, you you know whatever it is all the areas that we as librarians you know end up in you're circulating you're doing current awareness mm-hmm we're constantly pushing information out to people and thinking oh somebody might like that oh they'd be really interested in that or you know constant mm-hmm. enjoy I think it one of the things that we're not so good at then though is the shouting about it and i've been oh talking God, to people a lot yeah. about this lately like yeah how, how good are we at it? You know, i don't i don't know we're, 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 we're very good we're yeah. very good at doing things and when people yeah. praise you it's you're so good at doing this it's done yeah. before I even know I need it done yeah. we anticipate the need before it's even yeah. articulated sometimes yeah. which potentially takes away the sort of the squeaky door we yeah. do things so well that we're not drawing attention we're too to good. ourselves and I think maybe we make it look too easy. Our confidence levels maybe need to I think we always talk about the confidence levels and whatever I think actually part of our problem I think there's two things number one if we went out in the street now Laura we're here in North Wall Quay and we mm. stood outside this building and we asked the first 30 people who walked up and said we're two librarians what do you think we do all day and they'd yeah. say you read books all day ha ha we would then go on to say that you work in the Irish Hospice Foundation I would mm. say I work in a big corporate law firm mm. then there'd be a little bit of mm, you know what, wouldn't get what exactly we're doing so there's there's the concept that libraries have something to do with books and librarians mm. do something with books all day yeah is number one and I also think then you know because again for 20 years I've been struggling with trying to you know explain to people outside of my profession what my profession is because nobody understands it um I think part of our problem then is because we work in so many different organizations and certainly you know having been and you're still on the committee in the academic special library mm-hmm. section like that committee is just amazing because you have people from so many different organizations yeah. And while we're all obviously doing similar type roles, but I'd say if you sat us all down and, you know, listed in one day what we did, like there would be so many different things coming around the table. That, that would um, be two pages worth yeah. of a job spec. Um, and I think maybe, 
you know, when when people find out that you're a librarian and then you say, you know, if you say you work in a public library or you say you work in an academic library, there's some level of understanding. But when you move outside of that, mm-hmm. you know, when I set up Twitter, my Twitter account first, which Margaret Irons made me set up and she made me some first she tweet. She said, no, you. she did. She sent me a text to tell me to send a tweet after I'd set up my first because I was at the UKSG conference in Edinburgh and I was going but I don't know what to tweet what would I be tweeting about mm. she was saying but a conference is a great place as mm. only you know too well to tweet from mm. so I'm sitting in Edinburgh getting texts from her going have you tweeted yet have you tweeted yet have you tweeted yet my first tweet was hello from Edinburgh the I'm UKSG conference please leave me yeah, alone exactly stop I've done this. one and then I don't know I was like I'd text her back to say I've just sent it mm. now obviously I don't need to text I sent a tweet but anyway um but I, when I set up my Twitter profile, I was working in the Oireachtas and I stupidly put that I was a librarian in the house. The Oireachtas in my little, you know, little blurb mm-hmm. about yourself. Within, I'd say, 30 seconds of me setting up my profile, I had a, te- a tweet from someone saying, oh, I didn't know the member of the TDs were John Grisham. So I just yep. deleted that profile and just, you know, Blocked I them. now have, you know, librarian working in Dublin or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because we work across so many organisations, people outside of libraries can't understand yeah. how can you work you know say for me how can I have gone from working in a university to a brewery to a parliament to a law firm yeah. that just makes no part sense part of it is that it's associated with place and not a set of skills because absolutely you say that about yeah. if you're an accountant yeah. accountants work everywhere and in all exactly. sorts of exactly. and no one exactly. ever says oh wow yeah. You know, oh, you you're, work. You, you're an accountant and you work in a law firm. Yeah. Um, you or you're an accountant, you work at McDonald's. Yeah. McDonald's, or you work in. Yeah. In a, you're right. It's about the place, and I think, and I think then possibly as well part of the problem, and this is this is an ongoing debate, obviously, about our job titles. Mm-hmm. Accountants everywhere are called accountants. Lawyers everywhere are called lawyers, or solicitors, barristers, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, plumbers are plumbers, hairdressers are hairdressers, nurses are nurses, but they could work in lots of different kind of places, but they'll essentially be a nurse. Yeah. We are, you know, what's your job title? Um, information and library manager. Okay, but so you're currently... It's, it's being abbreviated to information manager. Yeah, to I'm currently sense. knowledge services manager. Mm. I was research and acquisitions librarian. I was research librarian. I had about seven different titles when I worked in... Um, one of them being information support analyst at one stage which made no sense which to me which makes people think that you are IT. a programmer yeah, yeah exactly um, so I think there is a little bit about then the variety of job titles that we all have mm. um, I think sometimes as well that this job title of assistant librarian in a lot of the public and academic libraries when you could be an assistant librarian for 20 years we all understand what an assistant librarian means in that concept mm. but I think externally Again, that may sound like a more junior position. Yeah. Well, the only place that that term is really used anymore is in universities. Right? Well, officially in the Oireachtas, we, all the librarians were assistant librarians. Assistant librarian and then, grade, yeah. yeah. No, it wasn't a grade. We were engineer three mm-hmm. grades. We were engineers. But no, my official title, like I had a job title, Even but my official. Very interesting. It was, yeah. Assistant librarian, open bracket research, close bracket was my mm-hmm. official. And that was a job I was recruited to do. Um, I think that's part of the problem. I think, um, you know, a lot of the time as well, when you go to the desk in a public or an academic library, a lot of the people you meet are library assistants. Mm-hmm. No offence to anyone who's a library assistant. You're possibly professionally qualified, but maybe you're not. Um, and if a lot of people, say somebody goes to their public library all the time, they don't have to have too much interaction because they're perfectly capable of looking up the catalogue and going and getting the book off their shelf and just getting an issue and discharged. 
they then think that that's what a librarian does. Yeah, which makes it quite easy for people yeah. to make assumptions yeah. about yeah. rolling back on the necessity of staff in libraries. Staff in libraries and the added value and everything else. So maybe go down the self-service for issuing of books, but it's that added value, it's the knowledge, the expertise the librarians have. You know, again, in public libraries, they're doing everything from training people, you know, to how to use the internet, helping them with their CVs, all that kind of stuff around yeah. jobs, and giving them like the space. Earlier, the, yeah. The, the idea of equality yeah. is really rooted in what yeah. we do. And it's rare yeah. that you ever meet a librarian who doesn't say, you know, the yeah. access to information is yeah. a fundamental right. Yeah. And everyone ha- needs to be... To exactly. If you have yeah. not got the skills to access the adequate information, mm-hmm. then you have the right to be trained. Yeah. You have the right to be yeah. given the information yeah. you need. Or for the librarian to sit down and, you know, and do it for you or help you because, you know, your literacy skills aren't mm-hmm. at the same level as somebody else's or whatever it is. Um, it's it's like we're diluted in some sense. It's like we need to pick on one job title and just all have the same one. Yeah. Um, I think that's possibly an element of it. You know, again, you know, if you're sitting around an academic special hours committee meeting now, I bet you all of you have completely yeah, different job titles, completely different job titles. But essentially, a lot of what you all do is the same, you know, different things. But, you know, broadly and, and the reason you're librarians. Um, I think that is sometimes part of the problem. Yeah. And I don't know how to address that because that's huge. I don't either because sometimes it feels yeah. like to simply give us all yeah. one one more title yeah. is too small and too constricted. Like if anything, we're expanding yeah. our titles now. You know, knowledge yeah. managers. But then is that part managers. of the dilution and people don't understand it? Potentially. Yeah. Because we're already working yeah. in quite a muddy field. Exactly. Like people yeah. are already confused about yeah. what we do and then we go and yeah. decide to, and decide to do something else. That are probably yeah. more reflective yeah. of change, change skill set. Yeah. Or to an external person. Yeah, but I suppose it definitely. I suppose if you were to move on from, definitely, I think the word information has to be in there. Mm-hmm. The only problem with using the word information, people then think it's about IT and think you're some or kind of technical. Or they think you work in communications. Or yes. Something yeah. Very yeah. 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 Which a lot of it is. So I don't know. It's like we need to champion, but it's who who do you get it? I don't know. Political level in an or in a country or you know senior business mm-hmm. leaders to champion librarians, regardless of whether the public or private sector. Do we need to other people to champion us as well, I wonder. Yeah, um, I think so. Um, well, we do, yeah. a little bit, but yeah. on the other hand, is, you know, is the way that we get people to understand what it is yeah. that we do to just be more prominent and show them. I yeah. was talking to someone recently about, you know, when I do an induction mm. and a new member of staff, yeah. they always say something that on the face of it could be seen to be quite insulting. and. Early on, it used to be slightly yeah. annoying me, but now it doesn't yeah. because I'm just like, well, well that, that's fine. That's well, oh, I can't believe you do so much. You, yeah. Um, they'll start off by saying, I was really surprised to find out that they had a librarian in here. What do you do all day? Or something yeah. like that that yeah. you would never say to somebody yeah. who isn't a librarian. And oh, yeah. it used to bother me, doesn't mm. now, because they will always come back within about yeah. two months, three months, whatever amount of time. They'll need you and they'll have yeah. needed you several times in that mm-hmm. space of time. And they'll have had it demonstrated to them what it is you do yeah. and the range of things you do and mm-hmm. they'll have num- yeah. said on numerous occasions wow I didn't I didn't know that that was something you would know how to do and they'll always ask well, how did you learn how to do yeah. that um, what, what's your qualification background yeah. what's your uh, yeah. what training did you do to know how to do this and they're always overwhelmed by just 
Yeah. Why are you looking after that? How come you know how to do that? And that's the vindication of what it is that we Absolutely. do. Um, yeah. We just need to demonstrate more. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's hard to do that. It's very hard to do it, yeah. And again, as we're saying... Maybe that's why we drive ourselves crazy and tie ourselves in knots and work too long. And possibly for a lot of us who end up in the special libraries, I suppose I'm very lucky here, at least there are three of us professionally qualified librarians together, but you know, you're Mm. the librarian in the Irish Hospice Foundation. Again, when you're that sole person, Mm. it can be hard to keep beating the drum. You know, it's... You work full time and whatever, and that is then probably why, especially when you work in the smaller libraries, getting involved in the different committees special interest groups in the LEI um, or in Bile or in SILAP or whatever and because it helps go out and talk to your fellow professionals and we can have conversations and we don't need to work in the same organisation because we have kind of a foundation Mm. of understanding Um, even though we might work in completely different types of yeah we do it's like we have a but we have a common yeah exactly exactly. that that doesn't exist in our workplaces usually Um, so I think yeah off on a tangent there but the academic special library section but I think that that was yeah so that was the key reason I got involved was some random conversation with copyright and was driving us sideways working in a a a profit organisation I'm a copyright exactly well at least it wasn't conversation I don't know about uh, John Grisham books or something but uh, yeah it was copyright Um, and then I just loved it I loved being on the committee and just meeting everybody Um, so we started off in 2005 kind of revitalised committee um, under Katrina Sharkey's excellent direction and leadership. I think it was more just kind of a, a defibrillator was taken to that committee. I think so, yeah. Shocked, shocked back into, into existence. Um, so were we six then? So it was Katrina, Anya, Erin, myself, Livy and Ava. And we stayed six for a couple of years and then we just, you know, we grew because we mm-hmm. started doing more and more of these events. Uh, you know, they had always done a one day seminar. The one day seminar had been there for many, many years. So there hadn't been one, I think, for about two years. So after our half day copyright, we then uh, following year did the seminar. And then that was the year that I was unemployed for a few months. So actually mm-hmm. suited me to be doing that. So we did it in the RDS. Um, and then it just grew from there. And as you now know, the committee is 12 people and that's kind of put a cap on it. We wrote our rules and procedures, yeah. you know, developed yeah. websites, Twitter accounts. Mm-hmm. The seminar has now gone to a two-day conference. I think the networking evenings, um, certainly for me, because they were so new and so different, mm-hmm. uh, they're definitely something that I'm very proud to have been involved in. Um, and I think it works for so yeah. many people. Um, and I think the best part about that was, uh, you know, some days we'd say, oh, we, you know, some meetings, we need to get more people at the network events. Maybe there's only been like 40 at the one, you know, the month before. Yeah. We're thinking, you know, we need to up the numbers. Um, and then we'd go along and for the first half an hour we'd all be talking to each other and I remember distinctly one evening being there in the Royal Irish Academy it was the joint actually the HSLG and, mm-hmm. and ANSL one in January and Ava and I were chatting away to each other and then suddenly we looked at each other and we said no we can't keep talking to each other and we said right let's go and network um, and you know I have the social librarian stuck up on my wall and I am quite social librarian but I'm actually but I'm actually an introvert and, you know, sometimes I'd be much happier being at home in my own house by myself. Um, I'm not a natural extrovert, which some people find bizarre. But when I'm in situations that I'm comfortable with and talking about topics I'm interested in, then obviously I I'm, can be quite, the, you know, seem more sociable. Um, so I turned around and I saw this um, one young woman standing by herself holding her glass of wine and I said I'll go and talk to her so I walked over mm-hmm. and I introduced myself and said who I was and I was on the committee and delighted to see her there and who I was she said she was a uh, MLA student at the time started chatting 
Um, she was an UCD. How was she finding it? You know, I'd been there many years before, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I said, just part of conversation, I said, um, oh, you know, is there a particular area you're interested in librarianship? Where do you think, you know, have you, have you already worked somewhere? And she said she really wanted to get into health librarianship. So then, of course, I said, oh, well, that's obviously why you're here. This is joint ANSL, HSLG. And I kind of glanced to my side and there beside me was a whole load of health librarians, one mm-hmm. of them being Nevo Sullivan. And I said to this Nevo person, Sullivan, I said, I said, would you like to talk to a few health librarians? She said, oh, yes, no, that, that'd be lovely. I really, you know, nice. And I was saying, you know, for you to have coming on your own and whatever. I said, but um, just bear with me. So tap Neve on the shoulder, and I said, Neve, turn around. I said, this uh, person would like to talk to health librarian. Introduced them, stayed for a minute or two, and sure, off I went and left them mm-hmm. to it. I'd say she's probably still talking to Neve. I don't know where they are. Probably. And about a month later, I just picked up on a blog post, and she wrote a gorgeous blog post saying that you know she'd gone along totally on her own, but really wanted mm-hmm. to try and meet some health librarians. Didn't know a single soul there, and spoke about the lovely person who came over from the committee and introduced herself, and then was able to introduce. And she met all these wonderful health librarians, and she was definitely was that was the area she was going to go into. Um, and that was just, you know, kind of. That's what it's about. Yeah, that's mean, what it was about, and, and just. I met the people who were on the committee. Exactly. You you well, it was Maria O'Neill, I think, used to drag you and Dave and Maria Rogers. The three of you used to come yeah. as, yeah, little threesome. And I used to think, well, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if I should go yeah. to this because I'm not qualified yet. Ah. And then I went along. Yeah. And should we have anyone? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, well, that was always the thing, you know. We just felt getting people in, and okay, to be on the committee and to be, you know, to have a level of formality. Yes, of course, you have to be a member of the LEI, um, in person, member of good standing. I think is what the memorandum and articles association say. But certainly for the events, and it's like that. Come along once, you know, check it out, see if it's for you. Like I joined a choir about four years ago, and that's their motto: everyone can come along for one night. You can sit down in the back, you can observe, you can have a little think about it and see if it's for you. And if, if it's not for you, you just go home at the end yeah, of that night and that's it. And I think that's the same with the ANSL events. I still remember the very first type event like that that I ever went to. Um, and I told this story when I talked about networking at the with the NPDI group last year. Uh, where Sweats, you know, he used to be like mm. the subscription agent. They always had a kind of a customer evening in Dublin back in the day. And this one was actually in the Royal Irish Academy. And it was that first winter like that I was out of library school. So a few months into working in Guinness mm-hmm. and Marie Money Hines was the librarian and I were supposed to be going at the last minute. She couldn't go. And she said, oh, go. You know, she'd go. And I said, oh, sure, I don't know anyone. And oh, I can't be going to that on my own. And it was grand going with you and the thought of going on my own. And Marie was like, don't be ridiculous. Of course, now you have to go. And, you know, you can't come in here tomorrow and tell me that you didn't go and whatever. Um, so I had to think about it and I went into town and I thought, well, you know, I'll at least walk in and, you know, I can just do that classic thing of if I really think this is not working out for me and I'm not happy, I'll just kind of go. I just need to go to the bathroom and just disappear and I'll just leave. I mean, you know, I'm in Dublin City Centre, you know, it's not that awful. And I still remember standing on the steps of the Royal Irish Academy going, taking a deep breath and thinking, oh, I'll walk mm-hmm. in there. Oh, no, anyone. Yeah. Sure, I walked in. You know, there were people there from UCD that I had worked with. I was an Irish assistant. I think Katrina Sharkey actually might have been there. Mm. There were about four or five people I actually knew. My sweats account manager was there. You know, how the naivety of thinking I would know absolutely nobody. Mm. Of course I was going to know. I was going to at least know my sweats account manager. Yeah. You know, and then, but sure, loads of people used sweats back then because they were the only subscription agent. And of course people I'd worked with in UCD. And sure, you know, I was probably the last to leave that night. But, you know, taking that first step sometimes. Um, and I know people 
can say, oh, but it's very intimidating. And you walk into and, and you all, it looks like you all know each other. Some of us may have only met that evening for the first time or maybe at the last mm-hmm. one or just joined a committee. And there's still always people to meet. Yeah. And, and each one you go yeah. to, you meet more people yeah. and you get Exactly, but you just have, and that's what I was saying. At the it was last October, actually, it's probably about a year ago at the MPDI event on Saturday, and I said that I to think about it. You're going in. I said, look, it's not like speed dating, <laughs> you know. You know, you don't have to. You know, nothing else has to happen. But like, you walk in the door, and the first thing is, you know, what your name is. You're either currently maybe in library school, or you're working as a library assistant. You're thinking about doing it, um, or you've just started working as a librarian, or you've just moved to Dublin, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. You already have two things to talk to people about. And then being Irish, somebody's going to say to you, and where are you originally from? Oh, you're from Duddy Cole? Oh, really? Now my grandfather came from, because we're Irish. That's, I said, you have a 10 minute conversation before you know where you are. Then it's, oh, you've done the library qualification. Where did you do it? Oh, right. Oh, you did it by correspondence. Oh yeah, well, I never did that, but I know somebody else who did. You know, you've started there and you're kind of 10 minutes in before you know where you are. And as I said to the guys last year I said look and have an extra strategy if you think I can only do this for a little while it's my first evening you just slip out I'm just going to the bathroom I, oh I just have to take this phone call and you just don't go back into the room but that's okay you know you just yeah it's little steps it's little steps yeah exactly yeah or again you know if you really are standing there you know, go and go to the organising committee mm-hmm. try and figure out the people who are on the committee or maybe the you know the person who met you at the door or gave you a name badge or something and go over and say to them oh hi I'm new I've never been in one of those before these events they'll take you under their wing mm-hmm. and talk to you yeah. especially if it's an ASL event oh absolutely you really are going to be nervous like yeah. email one of us yeah. email us beforehand yeah. and say yeah. I've never been to one of these yeah. events before yeah. you know, exactly introducing yourself yeah. to me whenever I come in first yeah we like seeing new people. Exactly. Like that's to us, yeah. that's, you know, and that's why that's we set them up. It's nice to be at that point yeah. now where I can see new people coming along to our events yeah. and you go and talk to them. And yeah. Being able to say at each new networking event, like, mm. oh, there were lots of new faces there. And, yeah. You know, and I think what's good about the networking events as well is because they're after work. Um, and once you walk in the door of that networking event, so whether it's to a talk or to, you know, there's a visit and you go and have a glass of wine or whatever afterwards, or an orange juice, um, mm. we're all equal. Mm. There's no hierarchy. As far as I'm concerned at those events, mm. there is no hierarchy. There may be age, mm. <laughs> and some of us are older than others, or there may be years of experience, mm. but I don't see a hierarchy. You have taken time out of your personal life to go and talk to your professional people and engage with them mm. um, in a social environment, so... And if there's one thing I know from talking yeah. to lots of librarians, like yeah. no one has the same story. So no. you may have yeah. only just qualified, you yeah. haven't even worked in yeah. the library yet, but the path that you've taken to get to Absolutely. that is always fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So, so again, God, that's another 20 minutes conversation, and sure, at that mm-hmm. stage it's time for the talk, the visit or whatever, and off you go. Yeah. So maybe we'll end on that note. Everybody I think needs we will. To come along to the next ASL. Absolutely, as the yeah. um, ambassador for the ASL events, yeah. I would yeah totally support it. I would also totally support getting involved in any kind of committee work. Mm. Um, you know, there's lots of different committees within the LAI. There's also you know there's the MPD. There's um, BILE. There's you know there's different levels mm-hmm. of involvement Slip that you can get the students. Yeah. Certainly, if you're in Ireland, there's different things, and it is a great way to meet people. It's a great way to make contacts, um, and I've certainly found I never had a negative experience working on the committee. Mm. 
I had some mad experiences and possibly some that were frustrating, but never bad <laughs> and very supportive. And I'm still, you know, very involved and very mm. friendly and engaged with all my my former colleagues and friends. Well, I made friends on the committee, so that's good. So thank you very much. Oh. Thank you so much for sharing your librarian's My journey, my journey. Well, thank you, Laura, for coming down. Thanks to Anne for being such a great interviewee. Definitely well worth the wait. If you want to test out Anne's networking tips, you could do a lot worse than coming along to one of our ASL networking events. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, at AS Libraries, you can find out about when the next one is coming up. Um, also, keep an eye on us on Twitter. Uh, we'll be releasing the um, the lineup for the ASL 2017 conference in the next couple of weeks. Um, it's pretty impressive. We're very excited about it, so hopefully you will be too. Um, so you can find out about that on www.aslibraries.com. Librarians Allowed is produced by Laura Rooney Ferris, with editing by Michael Ferris.